Uh, well, I'm excited for this morning. We're going to dive into a new series, but before we do, I want to pray for us. And so would you pray with me? Father God, thanks so much for uh, the opportunity to gather as your people. Thank you for uh, your living and active word. Thank you, Lord, that you still use it to form us and shape us. You use it to change uh, hearts and lives. And so I pray that you would do that in our time together. God, I pray that we might come to you this morning with uh, open hands. And we ask that you uh, would fill us, fill us with your spirit. Uh, give to us what we stand in need of uh, for this right now moment. Uh, God, we'll be careful to give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. Uh, when my brother and I were little, we were young kids, we were in elementary school at the time, uh, our uncle decided for Christmas it would be a really good idea uh, to get us, my brother and I, boxing gloves. My uncle did not have children at the time, and so he thought, what could be better than to get two boys a set of boxing gloves? And so sure enough, uh, he did. My brother and I played with them for about 30 seconds before they disappeared. We had no idea what happened to the boxing gloves until I was in high school. Uh, my buddies were over uh, one evening. Uh, we had nothing to do, which is uh, never a good thing. And so they started to look around downstairs in our basement, and we had this, this toy box, this toy bin down there, and they opened it up, and sure enough, there were the boxing gloves from when I was just a little kid. And so I was like, oh, looky there. And my brother, or my friend, Greg, said, oh, looky there. He's like, you want a box? And I'm like, well, sure. Like, this sounds like a good idea. So uh, Greg and I put our boxing gloves uh, on. Our friends were there, a few other buddies, and they were watching us. And if you've ever seen a, a boxing match before, what they do is they, they come together, and the, uh, the, the ref uh, will uh, tell them, you know, like, this, these are the rules. This is what you're supposed to do. This is what you can't do. And then he'll say, touch gloves. And then you touch gloves, they ring the bell, and then you just, I mean, haymakers, right? And so, so that's what we did. We had seen it on TV, and so they brought us together, and they're like, all right, you know, be, you know, be careful or whatever, have fun, touch gloves, and then it's, it's time to go to work. I thought, that we're, we're playing, right? Me and Greg, we were friends. We were friends. Greg and I were. Uh, we were. We were friends. We were friends. Because I was playing. I was playing with Greg, and I was hopping around. Right? I was going to float like a butterfly, but I wasn't going to sting like a bee. Because we were playing. We were just having fun. And so I'm down there, and I'm dancing. And these gloves, are, they're not regulation, right? They're illegal. It, we should have just done bare-knuckle gloves. I mean, it was ridiculous. And so I'm, I'm hopping around, and I'm bobbing, and I'm weaving, and we're just playing. You know? And so I'm, I, like, throw out a couple jabs, but I don't hit him because he's my friend. Right? And we're just playing. And so I just go, I go like this, and I drop my hands a little bit. And Greg, I didn't know it at the time, but apparently he's a southpaw, uh, which means he's a lefty. And he just goes, wham! And he catches me on the chin. <laughs> and I start to go, what in the world? And I, we were playing. At least I thought we were. Um, Greg didn't get the memo. Greg thought we were boxing. And so I just went into survival mode. I, I closed my eyes and I started flailing like as hard as I could, just praying that Jesus would help me land a punch. My friends quickly saw what was taking place and they threw in the towel, right? They, they broke, broke us up and they're like, no, 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 no. This is not a good idea. This is not a good idea. Um, I was playing. Greg uh, was apparently fighting. Um, I don't know if you know this, um, but you are in a fight. Uh, and your opponent is not playing. 
Right? He's swinging and he's coming after you. And I'm afraid um, we're not ready. I'm afraid that we think we're just kind of playing and he's fighting. I don't know the, the metaphor that comes to mind when you think about the Christian life. Um, maybe you think the Christian life is um, kind of like a walk in the park with Jesus. Maybe you hearken back to the days when you were little and you sang songs like, He walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And you just think of like babbling brooks and flowers blooming and you're like, this is just my relationship with Jesus. This is the Christian life. Yet uh, what we read about in Scripture is a very different picture. When we read about the Christian life in Scripture, we read about things like battles and wars. We read about fights. I love what author Ed Welch wrote in his book, The Banquet of the Grave. He said, there is something about war that sharpens the senses. You hear a twig snap or the rustling of leaves and you are in attack mode. Someone coughs and you are ready to pull the trigger. Even after days of little or no sleep, war keeps us vigilant. This morning, I want to call us as a people uh, to be vigilant. Uh, I want, by God's grace, to prepare us uh, for the fight of our life. This is what Paul does in Ephesians chapter 6. And so if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Ephesians uh, chapter 6. Paul's going to prepare us uh, for the battle that you and I face on a daily basis. The first thing that he is going to take note of in Ephesians chapter 6 uh, verse 10 is the source of our strength. He wants us to know the source of our strength. It says in verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. I don't know about you, but occasionally uh, when someone uh, walks by, maybe I'm at the mall or I'm at a theme park or I'm just taking a walk, I'm in a busy place, uh, I, my eye will catch someone walking by. This has happened to me on more than one occasion. I don't know why it is, but occasionally I'll, I'll run into someone who is just like a, like a big, bulky dude. Have you ever seen someone like this before? Maybe they have on like a tank top or they have their biceps exposed to the world and there's, there's, some, there's some tats and they, they ha usually have some facial hair. There's something going on here or here. Think like me, but like foot taller with muscles, right? And I see this person in my, in my mind's eye every once in a while and I just look at him and I go, oh, I think if we got in a fight, I would lose. <laughs> I never say that. I never announce it to him. But I look at his strength and I compare it to mine and I think to myself, I do not uh, stand a chance. Right? So when I read about the, the battle of the Christian life or the, the Christian life being a war, I think to myself, I don't know if I want to earn a participation trophy. There's this part of me that thinks to myself, you head along, like you go, and I'll be right behind you. Right? Don't you worry, I'll catch right up, but you do the fighting. Right? Because on some level, I am aware of my own weakness. I think to myself, I'm not, I'm not strong enough 
to fight. That's why verse 10 comes as good news to you and me. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. In other words, your ability is not connected or dependent upon your capability. Right? When you live the Christian life and walk with Jesus, your hope is not your strength. Uh, your hope is the strength of God. I want you to imagine for a moment that we were having uh, a tug-of-war contest this morning. And uh, to my left, uh, there is uh, the high school cross-country team. There's about five or six of them all lined up. All of them combined are like 298 pounds. 64-pounder, we got a 62-pounder. I mean, they're soaking wet. They're not three digits, right? And over here is the high school football team. And they're the linemen, the guys that that work out and drink protein straight shakes. If you were to look at these two groups, and, and, and if I were to ask you, hey, what, what team do you want to choose? What side do you want to be on? Do you want the long-distance cross-country runners? Or do you want the strong, muscular football team? You probably would say, James, I want these folks over here. Uh, the only problem is, is when Scripture paints a picture of the Christian life, it, it says that we're essentially weak. Like, we're not the strongest. We are on the cross-country team, on the tug-of-war. But imagine for a moment if through the back door came the world's strongest man. Right? He was six foot nine, and he just had muscles bulging, and he was tatted up. You looked at him, and you're like, he is beast right and guess what he's going to be pulling on your side i mean that would change your perspective uh, if you know that one who is strong and powerful is pulling in your direction um, it breathes hope and life into you um, paul is saying here to the church at ephesus that your strength uh, comes from the lord it's, it's not you. The Lord doesn't say to you, figure it out. You're in a battle. Good luck. No, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. We're going to talk about what that looks like. Uh, but, but first, just know the source of your strength is God. God is the source of your strength. Second thing I want us to notice is for us to be able to identify the enemy. Uh, if you are in a battle, it is key uh, for you and for me to understand how the enemy operates and how he works. Who are we fighting against? Who is our enemy? Right, to understand who our enemy is, it's important for us to understand who our enemy isn't. Right, our enemy is not our spouse. Our enemy is not our husband or our wife. Our enemy is not our kids. Our enemy is, is, is not our parents. Our enemy is not our coworker or our difficult neighbor or someone who we think about and just go, boy, if they weren't around, my life would be a lot better. That is not our enemy. Paul identifies the enemy in Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verse 11, he says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes 
of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You notice who the enemy is, according to Paul? The schemes of the devil. Rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness. Spiritual forces of evil. I have a confession to make. Right? I, I read this, and my natural response is to go, that sounds a little weird. Like, I just have a tendency to think in the, the natural realm or the natural world. When I read stuff like this, I almost have this picture in my head of Lord of the Rings. Right? I, I, I see these cosmic forces flying around in the air and they're hissing and they have swords and 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 it's difficult for me to paint a picture and to see what this really looks like and so my tendency sometimes because I don't quite understand it is to dismiss it because I don't have a box for it or I don't have a category for it or I can't explain it I just think to myself well I mean, something's going on, but we don't know exactly what it is, and so let's just kind of move on. Right? But there's a danger in doing that. Right? The flip side of that is to assume or to think that everything is the enemy. Right? Everything that happens to you, everything that comes your way, it's like someone's after you. Well, I mean, maybe, but maybe not. I love what C.S. Lewis says in his book, The Screwtape Letters. He writes, Here are two equal and opposite heirs into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both heirs inhale a uh, materialistic or a magician with the same, a materialist or a magician with the same delight, right? So there's two heirs. One is to completely dismiss the idea of spiritual warfare. The other is to be uh, so consumed by it. Both are equally dangerous, but I think in our Western culture, more often than not, I think our tendency is just to think naturally, and just assume that things that are happening around us aren't spiritual warfare. It's just kind of like the way things go. But Scripture is going to be clear that there is an enemy uh, in the world. There is someone who is operating, John 10.10 10 says, to steal, kill, and destroy. Right, think about that. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. John 8, verse 44, Jesus is speaking to a Jewish audience, and he says to them, You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has nothing to do with the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of of lies. The enemy is a liar. Right? He is a slanderer. He is a thief, a murderer. He is devious and he is destructive. He is masked as an angel of light 
but spews darkness. And he does not fight fair. Devil doesn't fight fair. He doesn't announce his arrival. He's not like the British 200 years ago. He doesn't put on his red coat and walk in an open field for everyone to see him and simply march toward us. He uses guerrilla warfare tactics uh, in his pursuit of you and me. He doesn't say, hey, I'm coming. He doesn't tweet it out. He doesn't send us a letter, registered mail, with his plans uh, to defeat those whom he seeks to devour. Man, he's sneaky. He's devious. Scripture paints him as one who is crafty. He is a defeated foe, uh, but he is not a dormant foe. Do not think Uh, for a second, uh, that that you or me uh, can skate our way through life uh, without being noticed. Uh, You are noticed. And so Paul says to be prepared to stand against the schemes of the devil. A scheme, if you were to study the word, means planning or plotting. It is systematic. Think about that for a second. Right? That, that there is an enemy who is plotting and planning against you. He is systematic in his game plan. Right? This is, is no joke. When Paul talks about it, he talks about wrestling against the enemy. Think about that. Have you ever seen a wrestler before? Do you, do you know a wrestler, someone who spends a lot of time on the mat? They get these cauliflower ears. You know, they're usually pretty, pretty bulky. They have muscles. They're, they're, they're lean. When you think about someone wrestling, it is, it's close combat. I mean, you are on each other. You're, you're pushing and you're pulling. You're trying to defeat your enemy you're trying to pin him the the picture here of our enemy in scripture is one who does close hand-to-hand combat uh, with you and with me and so as as christians as followers of jesus uh, knowing that this life is a battle that it is war uh, we should remember the source of our strength We should identify the enemy. The enemy is not the person you're sitting next to or the person across from you. The enemy is Satan. And we should use every weapon at our disposal. Use every weapon at our disposal. Verse 11 says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Verse 13, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. When I I read that, I read about this whole armor of God, and I think to myself, like, yes, please, (laughs) I will take it all. Uh, Some people are just tough by nature, and they think to themselves, the only weapons I need are these guys right here, right? This is all I need to fight. I'm not like that. I'm like, give me everything at my disposal. Give me the bubble gum that you chew and stick on the wall, and it blows it up. Right, give, give me like the belt that somehow turns into a bazooka and launches bombs. Like I want, every, I want every weapon at my disposal if I am fighting an enemy who seems to be bigger and stronger than me. Right, just like I want it, 
Give me everything. And so this is what Paul does, is he tells us, take up the whole armor of God. Not bits and pieces, not a little bit of this and a little bit of that. He says, take it all up, the whole armor of God. And then he says in verse 14, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. And so he says, take up the whole armor of God. And and then he's just going to talk about what does that look like? Like what is the whole armor of God. The first thing that he talks about is the belt of truth. The belt of truth uh, draws our attention to what is true. And just think, like, what, what is true on a daily basis? Listen, there are things that come your way uh, that are not true and that are lies. The, the world is speaking, spewing lies on a daily, minute-by-minute, second-by-second basis. And so Paul says, put on this, this belt of truth. The other week I was at Panera Bread and I came across um, a gentleman there who was in his 60s. And I was asking him how he was doing. And he was like, oh, I'm doing okay. And we got in this conversation. And he started telling me a story about uh, a time when he was a little kid. And he said, when I was a little kid, my dad used to say things to me like, you know what, you're never going to amount to anything. Never going to amount to anything. What are you you doing? You're never going to amount to anything. And he said, I've been wrestling for the last 50 years with that voice. Well, that is a shot from the enemy. And so so when we experience that or hear that, we put on the, the belt of truth. We ask ourselves, well, what is God's words say about us? What does God say about who I am? Part of the armor is the belt of truth. The next thing that's listed is the breastplate of righteousness. A Roman soldier would put on the breastplate that would cover uh, his heart, right? This was to uh, defend the enemy uh, if he was shooting arrows or if he was uh, yielding a sword, wielding a sword against us. The, the, the breastplate of righteousness was something that would protect the most important part of the soldier. We read in Isaiah 59, verse 17, it says, When Yahweh puts on righteousness like a breastplate. The, these pieces of armor that we're talking about this morning, the, these are characteristic of, of God and who He is. We're not trying to produce something we don't have. We're, we're using the, the weapons that he gives to us. When scripture talks about this idea of righteousness, it talks about it in two different ways. A one righteousness that we read about in scripture is an imputed righteousness. It is a righteousness that God gives to us when we believe in the finished work of Jesus. But if you've trusted Christ, if you're his son or his daughter, he doesn't look at all your junk. He looks at you and he sees the righteousness and the goodness of his son. But, but scripture also talks about another righteousness that's like a practical righteousness. It's a, think of it in terms of pursuing holiness. I think that's what it's talking about here, that the soldier is, is to pursue holiness and righteousness. You don't confront the enemy by cuddling up to the enemy, right? You pursue holiness. We'll, we'll see that it's the Spirit of God that does this work in us. So Paul says, hey, put on your, your belt of truth. Right? Remind yourself of what God has said in his word. Remind yourself what is true. P- pursue holiness or righteousness. Put on uh, the, the breastplate of righteousness. And then he says in verse 15, and 
as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. This is good news for those of us here this morning who love shoes. Right? Shoes are important. Can I get an amen? Not those shoes. These shoes are important. Uh, Shoes were important to a soldier. They were essential to a soldier. Because a Roman soldier needed to get places quickly, but he needed to protect his feet. He needed the mobility to get around, but he also needed protection if an arrow was going to come his way or if he was moving over the rocks. Our shoes matter, right? You don't go to the beach and a set of boots. You don't do a run a trail with flip-flops. You don't build a house in loafers. Right? You need shoes that are appropriate for the occasion. These shoes right here that Paul talks about are, are shoes that are the readiness uh, given by the gospel of peace. These shoes that Paul's talking about, these are gospel shoes. Uh, th- these are shoes of peace Uh, that we take with us as we uh, go about in life. Isaiah chapter 52 verse 7 says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. We, as the people of God, are those who bring good news. And so we fight against the enemy by putting on uh, the belt of truth. We put on the breastplate of righteousness. We shod our feet with gospel shoes of peace, and we pick up the shield of faith. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 16 says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of uh, the evil one. The shield that Paul's talking about isn't one of those smaller uh, round shields that you would put here. It is uh, like this <laughs> life-size shield that they would get behind. And the reason that they had this big, huge shield is because when the enemy was shooting arrows at them, they would hide behind the shield and fend off the arrows. Paul says that this shield is the shield of faith. This is how uh, Christians, followers of Jesus, operate. We live lives of faith, right? And what is faith? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. A little later on in that chapter, in verse 13, it says, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. That is the life of faith. We, we believe. We have faith. We don't always experience here and now what it is we long for and want. We walk by faith. We say, God, we, we, we trust you. We, we know your character. And so we believe that your word is true and trustworthy. When we lack faith, we say, God, give me faith. I believe. Help my unbelief. Right? We, we hide behind the shield of faith. We trust God and we fend off the attacks of the enemy. The next thing he talks about in verse 17 is the helmet of salvation. Right? This is the hope of salvation. Isaiah 59, 17 says he put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. When doubt creeps in, we're to remember that the helmet of salvation, that God hasn't forgotten us, that God knows what we need and when we need it, that he's given us a hope 
and a future. We, we put on the helmet of salvation. And then finally, he says, uh, to, to use or to put on the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This sword that Paul talks about here was a, a smaller sword, a, a dagger almost, that one would pull out and use it for hand-to-hand combat. This is what God has given us. Remember, if we're, if we're wrestling against the schemes of the enemy, if we're, if we're up close with the enemy, we want something to fight him where we're, where we're up close. And Paul gives a sword. What is the sword? The sword is uh, the word of God. And so we use the word of God in our lives uh, as a weapon against the enemy. So what does this look like, right? Maybe some of these ideas are foreign to us because when we see people going off to war, they're not dressed in armor. <laughs> and so we read these and we go, okay, I, I kind of got a picture, but what, is that, what does that look like, like on a Tuesday? Like, what, is it, what does it look like when uh, I'm battling depression? Uh, what does it look like when my, far, when, when my, when my heart is full of anxiety? Because I'm afraid or I'm scared? What does it look like when, when I face uh, financial stress or trials or troubles? What does it look like when life seems very uncertain to me? Like how, how does that play out on an everyday basis? Let me, let me give you an example and offer some suggestions. Uh, about a week ago, I got a text from a friend uh, doesn't live here, not a part of the church, but I got a text from a friend who said, hey, can you, can you pray for me? Uh, I'm just facing some medical stuff. And you got to know, like, I, I, I joke around a lot with people. Uh, like, I have a tendency to kid around with my friends. And so this, like, I read this text, and I'm like, okay. Like, there's a strong possibility that he's messing with me because he wants me to call him right away. Or it, it's, it's real, and something's wrong. And so I, I ended up getting a hold of him last week, but I, I told him, I said, listen, man, when I saw your message, I was sleeping at the time. It was kind of late at night. I was sleeping. I said, I woke up in the morning, and I prayed for you. I prayed that God would heal you. But I said, if you're okay and nothing's wrong, like, I pray that God gives you leprosy. Like, you can't, you can't mess with me like that. He's like, no, James. He's like, I know we joke. He's like, but this, this is legit. So I said, all right, man. Like, what are you, what are you facing? Young guy. He said, uh, went to the doctor. He thought he was going to have to have, like, a very minor procedure, min- minor surgery. And they run these, they run these tests, and uh, the doctor uh, calls him and says, hey, we saw something on uh, the scan on your uh, pancreas. And it, and it looks like, you know, growth, tumor. Um, it, it could be nothing, or it, or it could be something. And so we need to do a biopsy. Okay, now I want you to, I want you to imagine for a moment that, that you are in his shoes. Uh, maybe you have been. Uh, maybe uh, you are right now. And so, so what comes through your mind when you get that news? I can imagine there's, there's a thousand different thoughts that run through your mind. You probably think to yourself, uh, is it cancer? 
Like, do, do I have cancer? Uh, if I have cancer, uh, am I going to die? And maybe you think to yourself, no, 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 I, can't, I don't want, I don't want to think that way. Maybe, maybe it's nothing, maybe it's nothing, it's, pro- it's probably nothing. Um, they, they found it early, I wasn't having any symptoms, uh, so it's probably nothing, but if it's something, uh, it, it's probably something they can take care of. And then shortly after that thought, you think to yourself, uh, I, I don't know if I am going to walk my girl down the aisle. I don't know if I'm going to see my kids grow up. I, I don't know if I'm going to someday be able to hold a grandchild in my arms. I don't know how I'm going to provide for my family. I don't know how I'm going to take uh, care of them. I feel uh, so weak. I want to be strong. I want to be strong for them, but I feel so weak. What is, is God doing? Does God know what he's doing? Has God forgotten me? Does God know what I'm going through? Can he be trusted? If, if that is you, and maybe it has been, and maybe it is, But there is a thousand thoughts that go through your mind. And the vast majority of them uh, might not be good. And so what does it look like in that moment uh, to fight with the full armor of God? I think it looks something like this. I think we we put on uh, the belt of truth and we remind ourselves and tell ourselves what we know to be true. What do we know to be true? We know that God is good. Uh, We know that his promises are true. Uh, We know that he is in control. Uh, We know that he is all-powerful. And we know that he can be trusted. Right? So I'm just saying, if that's me in that situation, I am am rehearsing these things in my mind. I'm, I'm speaking these things in my anxious and worried state. I'm going, God, I I know your character. I know you do not mess with your kids. I know that you can be trusted. I I put on the belt of truth. I put on the the breastplate of righteousness. And you think, well, what does that look like? I think it looks a little something like this. Sometimes there is a temptation in life uh, when it feels like you're chasing after God and you're following after God and things don't go your way. To go, you know what? Forget this. Man, I've I've been serving. I've been giving. I've been obedient. I've been good with my money. I didn't get the latest iPhone. I did it for Jesus. Like, this should not happen to me. If this is going to happen to me, then I'm just going to do what I want to do. And I think in that moment we go, no, 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 we Guard our hearts. Proverbs says, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. And so you say, God, whatever this is, help me to walk faithfully with you. Help me to pursue holiness until my last breath. We put on the belt of truth. We put on the breastplate of righteousness, right? And we put on our gospel shoes, our shoes of peace. When we, when we take a phone call from the doctor, when they roll us in for the biopsy, when we get the follow-up conversation, when we're talking to our family or our friends or our neighbors, when people catch wind of what we're facing, we say, man, I, I have massive peace because I know that the gospel is good news for me. 
Right? And every day we're going, God, give me, give me gospel peace. Give me gospel peace. Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Oh, we, we put on these gospel shoes of peace and we pick up um, our shield of faith. And we say, God, I am so unsteady right now. I'm so unsteady. I'm scared to death. I don't know what I'm facing. So God, give me faith. And I want to trust you. I want to see you work. I want to see you move. I want to see you act. And so we, we pick up uh, our shield and we fend off the arrows of uh, the enemy that are coming our way. Because guess what? The, the attack uh, isn't over. Right? Maybe it's just begun. And so we pick up our shield of faith. We put on our helmet of salvation. This is language from Isaiah 59 verse 17. It says that Yahweh is a victorious warrior who wears the helmet of salvation. And, and Thessalonians, Paul calls it the helmet of the hope of salvation. And so we remind ourselves as we put on our, our helmet of salvation that God has given us hope. He hasn't forgotten about us. He, he has given us hope. He calls us his sons and daughters. He looks at us and says, you are mine. And so I, I put it on and I remind myself, God, regardless of what I am facing, you have given me hope. And we grab uh, the sword of the Spirit, right, which is the word of God. Right, so when we're driving to the hospital, right, when, we're, when, we're, when we're going under for the procedure, when we're thinking about what we're facing, we grab the word of God and we say, God, speak. And speak to me right now in this moment. We call to mind 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9 and 10. It says, for God has not, he has not destined us for wrath but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Right? We read that and we claim that and we remind ourselves he has not destined us for wrath, but to live uh, forever with him. This is true. This is my offensive weapon against the enemy. I am telling myself this. I am rehearsing this. Um, this is a fight. It's not easy. It's a fight. The Christian life is war. It's not easy. Our, our hearts are so fickle. Like we need God to show up. And he has. And he's given us weapons. And so we use them. Listen, uh, when you realize, when you, when you catch the left hand and you realize you are in a fight, someone is not playing. Remember the source of your strength. Identify uh, the enemy and use every weapon at your disposal. Uh, next week, we look at the last weapon, perhaps arguably the most powerful weapon. Uh, you don't want to miss it. So we'll see you next week. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much for uh, your living and active word. Thank you that you prepare us for uh, the battle that is the Christian life. We, we need uh, your help uh, as 
as we fight. And so we ask for it now. Lord, I pray that uh, you would help us to stand firm. Uh, give us a steady uh, feet. Calm uh, anxiousness. Lord, help us um, to, to fight in such a way that we use the weapons that you've given to us at our disposal. We need your help, and so we ask for it this morning. God, we love you. We thank you so much that you have loved us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.